0: iTunes presents Meet the Author. Hello, and welcome to our latest edition of the Meet the Author podcast. Today we're talking with James Fry best-selling author of the critically acclaimed and controversial A Million Little Pieces, as well as that book's follow-up, My Friend Leonard. Fry's latest, Bright, Shiny Morning, is an expansive kaleidoscope of a novel about contemporary Los Angeles and the pursuit of the American dream. James, welcome and congratulations on your new book. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Los Angeles obviously plays a central role in the book. Why did you set the novel there?
1: Uh, I lived there for eight years. Um, it's a city I love, a city that I think is this big, cool, amazing place. Um, I've also, I have also sort of thought there have been books written about a lot of the great cities of the world. There have been books written about Rome and Paris and London and New York and Chicago, um, Tokyo. But nobody ever writes about L.A. or nobody had ever written about L.A in a way where they they sort of took the city on in its entirety. You know, you get a lot of books set in L.A. that are either about crime or Hollywood, but nothing else. Um, So I wanted to move outside of those sort of genres or those areas and and look at at the city as as this sort of living, breathing character.
0: And it's clear for all its flaws that the city uh, has some appeal to you.
1: Yeah, I think it's an amazing place. I mean, um, it's it's the immigration capital of America, both in terms of internal American immigration and foreign immigration. You know, I think I say in the book that I think it's the cultural capital of the world. You know, culture as we define it now is film, television, popular music, and that all comes out of there. Um, I think it, it's, it's so big and so diverse um, and so dynamic. You know, you have... You know, it's the only city, when people live there, it's the only city in, in America where you can um, surf in the morning and ski in the afternoon within 45 minutes or an hour of each other. It's an amazing city.
0: You thread dozens of characters and storylines throughout the book, but focus on four in particular. Uh, tell us a little bit about these central characters.
1: Um, when I, well, when I, before I wrote them, I sort of made a list of probably 10 or 12 Potential protagonists that I thought could carry through the book, um, and, and they were all sort of archetypes of um, L.A. stories. You know, one is is a very poor man who's who, who's homeless and lives at the beach. Um, another is a story of internal immigration. A young couple moves from Ohio to just find a new life. The other is foreign immigration. A Mexican family moves to L.A. to to find a new life and to provide a better life for their children. Um, And then I did take on Hollywood. Um, You know, I I thought because they would be entertaining stories, they would be moving stories, they would be interesting stories, and they were
0: sort of quintessentially Los Angeles stories. I agree with that. Uh, Let's listen to an excerpt that describes how Dylan and Maddie, um, who are two young runaways from Ohio, decide to head west to California.
2: They can see the glow a 100 miles away. It's night, and they're on an empty desert highway. They've been driving for two days. They drive up in a small town in Ohio. They've known each other their entire lives. They've always been together in some way. Even when they were too young to know what it was or what it meant, they were together. They're 19 now. They left when he came to pick her up for the movies. They went to the movies every Friday night. She liked romantic comedies, and he liked action films. Sometimes they saw cartoons. They started the weekly outing when they were 14. Screaming. He could hear her screaming as he pulled into the driveway. He ran into the house. Her mother was dragging her along the floor by her hair. Clumps of it were missing. There were scratches on her face. There were bruises on her neck. He pulled her away. When her mother tried to stop him, he hit her mother. She tried again. He hit her mother harder. Mother stopped trying. He picked her up and carried her to his truck, a reliable old American pickup with a mattress in the back and a camper shell over the bed. He set her in the passenger seat carefully, set her, and he covered her with his jacket. She was sobbing, bleeding. It wasn't the first time. It would be the last. He got into the driver's seat, started the engine, pulled out. As he pulled out, mother came to the door with a hammer and watched them drive away. Didn't move, didn't say a word, just stood in the door holding a hammer. Her daughter's blood beneath her fingernails, her daughter's hair still caught in her clothes and hands. They lived in a small town in an eastern state. It was nowhere, anywhere, everywhere. A small American town full of alcohol abuse and religion. He worked in an auto body shop and she worked as a clerk at a gas station. And they were going to get married and buy a house and try to be better people than their parents. They had dreams, but they called them dreams because... They were unrelated to reality, they were a distant unknown, an impossibility. They would never come true. He went back to his parents' house, they were in a bar down the street. He locked the doors of the truck and kissed her and told her she would be fine and he walked into the house. He went to the bathroom and got aspirin and band-aids. He went into his room and pulled a video game case out from the drawer. The case held every cent he had, $2,100 he had saved for their wedding. He took it out and put it in his pocket. He grabbed some clothes and walked out. He got in the truck. She had stopped crying. She looked at him and she spoke. What are we doing? We're leaving. Where are we going? California. We can't just up and go to California. Yes, we can. We can't just walk away from our lives. We don't have lives here. We're just stuck. We'll end up like everyone else, drunk and mean and miserable what do we do figure it out we're just gonna leave and go to california and figure it out yeah that's what we're gonna do she laughed wiped away her tears this is crazy staying's crazy leaving smart i don't want to waste our life our yeah she smiled he pulled out turned west and started driving towards the glow it was thousands of miles away he started driving towards the glow
0: James, you recently wrote a screenplay about the Hells Angels for director Tony Scott. Did that work influence some of the characterizations of bikers like uh, Tiny in the book?
1: Not really. I mean, I certainly know a lot about more about sort of bike culture because of the experience writing that movie. Um, but the guys I wrote the Hells Angels about are sort of a lot cooler and, and smarter and more interesting than... Um, the guys in my book i i sort of describe the guys in my book as guys who wish they were hell's angels but but couldn't make the
0: cut uh clearly the controversy surrounding a million little pieces um must have been difficult what was it like for you it was
1: it was it wasn't real fun i mean it was an unpleasant um time um but it, for me it's done it's over you know I, i've written three books i wrote a new book. Um, I'm proud of the new book. I'm proud of, the, frankly, the first two books. I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I'm a writer. I believe I create literature. And I don't believe that I'm going to follow the rules people try to impose on me when I create that literature, whether it's how a book should be classified or whether it's how a sentence should be structured. I do what I do how I do it, and I'm going to keep doing it that way. And, and if people have problems with how I do things, so be it.
0: Uh, I've read that you had a chance to meet Norman Mailer uh, before he passed away. Uh, what, what was he like? Uh, Norman was awesome. I mean, he's sort of an idol of
1: mine. Um, I went over to his place in Brooklyn, and we spent a day together talking about books and writing and boxing and controversy, and it was a great honor for me to get to spend some time with him. I mean, he's he's obviously
0: sort of a, a massive figure in American letters. Um, what what did he have to say about uh controversy and and did he offer any advice on that you know he said you, you the only thing you can do is
1: keep writing you know people are going to say what they say but it doesn't all, it doesn't matter what matters is what you put down on a page and how the people who read that are affected by it and, and what matters is whether it's good enough to be read in 20 30 40 60 years that you know you have to ignore it and 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 you have to, you know, swing for the fences every time out um, that people are going to keep coming. if you write books that are interesting enough and important enough and mean enough to people, they're going to keep coming after you. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to keep trying to write those books the best way I know how. And if people keep coming, so again, so be it. Uh, what are you working on now? Uh, I'm I'm. About to start writing another book um, about a 32-year-old secular Jew in New York City who has a construction accident. He comes out of the accident um, with a condition called um, secondary ecstatic epilepsy, and he believes he's the messiah. And it's sort oh, of... Of course. <laughs> well, it's my, you know, religion is has for the last, you know, 15 years played played an increasingly large part in American society, whether you want it to or not, whether you believe in it or not. And I think the book is about my idea of what the Messiah would be like if he were walking the streets of New York City right now. I don't necessarily believe he would be um, what a lot of other people believe he would be.
0: James, thanks a lot for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. Performed by actor Ben Foster, the audiobook version of James Fry's Bright, Shiny Morning is available now
2: on iTunes.